Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. Genesis chapter 3. Today I want to talk to you about never leave the house naked. Never leave the house naked. Can I get an amen? Amen. And Bubba told Lori, Lori, he's talking about nakedness, so don't miss this morning's second service. Genesis chapter 3, verse number (coughs) 6. The woman was convinced. What was she convinced of? She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was Adam, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing... Ooh, you never want to be naked when the cool evening breezes are blowing... When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Verse 11, Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? Verse 12, The answer of all answers. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. This historic and wonderful passage of scripture is the historical account of the fall of mankind. This is a great story and we read it many times, but we must understand this is the moment. This is detailing the moment that Satan and sin gain dominion over mankind. This is the moment. From this moment, and since that moment, man and woman have been in a continual struggle with evil spiritual forces and old fleshly tabernacle that has desires that are contrary to the plan and purposes of God. See, here's what we've got to remember. Adam and Eve were created by God. They were positioned in a place of blessing by God. They were equipped and gifted by God. They were bestowed authority upon by God. They were given an assignment for perpetual blessing by God. Yet through disobedience, Adam and Eve surrendered everything that God gave to them. Look at Romans chapter 5. Turn over in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. How many brought your Bibles? Good. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Notice what it says. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. The question of the ages. Here's the question that everybody asks. Here's the question that the uh, secular humanist asks. Here's the question that the agnostics ask and the atheists ask. Here's the questions that the doubters ask. Here it is right here. 
If God is so good and loving, why do bad things happen? If God is so kind and compassionate, why does accidental death happen to the innocent and the young? If God is so caring and benevolent, why does disease and poverty reign over so much of the earth? And the answer is found in this verse. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Notice what it says. When Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, not God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Saints, understand this. It wasn't God's plan. And it wasn't God's doing. Mankind yielding to Satan opened the door to sin and the results. And today, thousands of years later, we are still dealing with the fallout. And though knowledge has increased, and the greatest minds of the world have used their expertise through inventions and discoveries to slow and alter the effects of Adam and Eve's disobedience, we still have not come, up, come close to matching the original plan God for, had for mankind in the Garden of Eden. Haven't come close. All we can pre- prevent death from happening sooner. We come up with all type of medical exploits and discoveries, and those are wonderful and great, and we cheer them on and fund them continually. But still, we're not close to God's original plan for mankind. And for hundreds of years, God watched man struggle with Satan and sin. And God, under the Old Testament, provided direction and some boundaries for man through the law. God gave man a path for temporary forgiveness of sin and temporary access to a holy God. But understand, temporary forgiveness and temporary access was not God's original plan. God's original plan was continual fellowship with man, which brings security and blessing. God's original plan for Adam and Eve was not to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters with all the blessings of the inheritance. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Christians at Galatia. And notice what he says. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Think of, think, of it, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Verse 4. But when the right time came, everybody said the right time. Everybody say the right time. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, Subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to cry out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave. Hallelujah to God. You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child... God has made you an heir. 
Look at verse 4 again. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. When the right time came. This is important as Christians. Do you understand about this right time? Because you understand Judaism, Judaism continues to look for the right time. They don't believe it's come. They're continuing to look for the right time, hoping Messiah will soon come. Islam, Islam believes the right time will only occur when violence has eradicated anyone other than Muslims. That's when the right time will occur for Islam. When violence has eradicated anybody other than Muslims. Buddhism, now they're a unique bunch. They think the right time is a sublime state of nirvana that can only be reached by self-sacrifice, the renunciation of craving of Dairy Queen blizzards, and attachment achieved through practice of meditation and insight. Christianity proclaims the right time came 2,000 years ago. When the right time came, when was it? But when the right time came, Galatians 4, verse 4, God sent His Son, born of a woman. Adam and Eve forfeited God's original plan of blessing and security for mankind, but at the right time, God sent His Son, born of a woman. Now, why is it important for it to say that, born of a woman? Why was it important for Him to be born of a woman? Understand something about God. He's always a, a God of integrity and legality. He will always do things right. God never takes shortcuts. Turn with me real quickly over to the book of John. John chapter 10. The gospel of John. John chapter 10. There's a, there's a little insight here in this story of John chapter 10 that I want to show you. Look at John chapter 10. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must be a thief and a robber. Verse 2, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Look at verse 1 again. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Now, the sheepfold he's referring to is the human race. Let me ask you a question. How did you and I get into the human race? How did you get in the human race? You were born into the human race. Anybody here this morning not born? Anybody just show up? Bing! Anybody here? All right? Anybody here? Every one of us here this morning were born. In fact, you can get nowhere in this world today unless you are able to identify your date of birth. I went to get Amanda's car service the other day, and I said, I want to get an appointment made for Amanda Turner for her car. They didn't say, what's the name? They said, what's the date of birth? I said, of the car? No, he said, I'm Amanda Turner. (laughs) Everybody is listed by their date of birth. Why? Because that gives us right to be a part of the human race. Notice what it says, John chapter 10, verse number 1 again. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, how is the gate into the human race? It's through birth. That's the reason Jesus had to be born. 
of a woman. Satan wasn't born into the human race. He snuck over the wall. He got in through deception, and the Bible says he's a thief and a robber. Look at, uh, look with me. Uh, let me say this. Satan wasn't born into the sheepfold. He gained entrance into the sheepfold through deception. Jesus legally came through the gate, birth, born of a virgin, so he could lawfully bring deliverance to mankind. Now, here's what you and I must understand. One man lost it, another man regained it. Look at Romans 5, 19. Turn over to Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Adam and Eve sinned, and we reap the terrible results. Yet Jesus obeyed, and we reap the return to right standing with God. You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, look at Romans 5, 17. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Listen to what the NIV says. For if by the trespass of one man death reign through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? See, that's the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus once and for all paid the price for mankind's sin through his death, burial, and resurrection. What Adam lost, Jesus regained. We are no longer slaves to Satan or sin. You need to understand that. I hear this all the time from my Baptist brothers. They love this one. Well, we're just sinners saved by grace. No, you're not. You can't have it both ways. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. Because the Bible lets us know we are no longer slaves to Satan or sin. We're either sinners or we're saints. There's no in-between and you can't be both. Out of the same fountain cannot flow both bitter and sweet water at the same time. You're either righteous or you're unrighteous. We're not sinners saved by grace. We're saints of the Most High God. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Because what Adam lost, Jesus regained. See? We're no longer slaves to Satan or sin. We are sons and daughters of the one true God. And we are to reign as kings. We're to reign as kings, not a slave being addicted and bound and broken and living in defeat and living cursed and and living in our past failures and regrets. We are to triumph over Satan and sin. Well, pastor, what in the world does that have to do with never leaving the house naked? Well, it doesn't have anything. I just like that title and thought I'd use it. No, that's not true. Have you noticed, seriously, have you noticed the very first curse that came upon Adam and Eve after they sinned was not death? The very first curse in the Garden of Eden that came upon Adam and Eve after they sinned was not death, was not physical death. It wasn't even spiritual death because they still had fellowship with God after they sinned as long as they was in the Garden. 
The very first curse that came upon Adam and Eve was not physical death. In fact, the Bible tells us that Adam lived 930 years. 930 years. The immediate curse for sin was not physical death. In fact, mankind and the environment was so pure. God made it so perfect. It took hundreds of years for sin and sickness to bring its results upon mankind. It took hundreds of years before death could catch up with Adam. Because God had made man so perfect. And he had made the environment so perfect. Notice what it says. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. I know what you men are thinking. We need more fruit eaten to cause more nakedness. That's why they tell you to eat your fruit. A casual reading of this passage would lead you to believe that nakedness was the first curse. Nakedness was not the first curse either. Because they were naked before they sinned. In fact, Eden was the first clothing optional resort. You Think about that. Eden was the first clothing optional resort. What was the first curse of sin? question, what was the first curse of sin? What does nakedness represent? Have you ever been in a bathroom or in a changing clothes and someone mistakenly opened the door on you? What's the first thing you do? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're changing clothes and all of a sudden the door opens up or somebody, you hear the door, the door job jiggling. What do you do? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Nakedness represents vulnerability. That's the reason we cover up. Because suddenly we're vulnerable. The natural act of covering up when unclothed is the response of being vulnerable. The first curse Adam and Eve experienced was the curse of vulnerability. Remember, God told them to subdue the earth, reign over the animals, over nature. This is your garden. Reign as kings. Mankind was given an assignment from God to rule and to have dominion. But sin entered and suddenly mankind, who was supposed to dominate, suddenly for the first time in his life becomes vulnerable. This is the reason why the Scripture teaches us that sexual intimacy should be reserved only for a husband and wife. This This very principle is the very reason why sexual intimacy should be reserved for a husband and wife. You see, when a husband and wife consummate their marriage through sexual intimacy, it represents the man and woman becoming completely vulnerable and trusting their spouse to honor and protect their vulnerability. 
You don't want nobody else to see you. You cover up. But with somebody you trust and you know honors you, you're willing to become very vulnerable. Is everybody with me? Why in the world would a woman or a man want to reveal their vulnerability to someone who will not commit to them? Or someone they just met and they don't even know their trust level? Why do you want to reveal your vulnerability to people you don't even know? So for the first time, Adam and Eve, who were the kings ruling and reigning, suddenly become the slaves. Toiling and laboring, sin made them vulnerable. But not only does nakedness represent vulnerability, nakedness exposes imperfections. Thank God for clothing. Can I say amen? (laughs) Nakedness exposes all the imperfections and blemishes. There's a verse of Scripture that has far-reaching implications. You've heard it many times, but I want you to think about it in the light of what we're talking about. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter is talking, and he says this, Be self-controlled and vigilant always, for your enemy, the devil, is always about prowling like a lion, roaring for its prey. Notice the M.O., the modus operandi of the devil. He's not a creative being. He can't come up with anything new. He has to copy man, he has to copy Jesus, and he has to copy the, the animal kingdom. He can't come up with anything on his own. The way he operates is like a lion operates. The lion is the king of the jungle, jungle and is always looking for the weak, the slowest, or the injured to attack. The lions, the lion is a traditionally lazy animal and will always go after the prey they can expend the least amount of energy on to destroy. Satan watches you and I continually. He knows our weaknesses. Just as a lion will attack us at the place of our imperfections, our weaknesses, our injuries, and our blemishes, Satan will attack you and I at the place we're weak. He watches us and he knows where to hit you. He knows where to tempt you. He did it to Jesus after 40-day fast he, and he was hungry. He tempted him with food. He did it to Jesus when Jesus created the kingdoms of the earth and they were all his. To begin with, Satan stole them and Satan tempted him to take them back. He did it with Jesus by telling him, if you have power, you can jump off this pinnacle and it won't bother you. And Jesus was the power of God incarnate. He knew where his weak point was. Satan knows where your blemish is. He knows where my blemish is. He knows where I'm susceptible. He knows where I'm vulnerable. And if we leave the house naked, Every day, he will attack us at that point. That's why we never leave the house naked. Sin made mankind vulnerable and exposed our weaknesses, so we must never leave the house naked. Look at Romans chapter 13. What do we do, Pastor? Look at Romans chapter 13, verse 12. 
Romans 13, verse 12. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties or drunkenness or sexual promiscuity and immoral living and in quarreling or jealousy. Verse 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave the house, Nick. Put on Jesus every single day. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your sinful desires. Listen to what the New King James Version says. It says this way. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in reverie and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? It's what it means. Daily live with the awareness that we are the children of God. Born again, no longer slaves to sinful desires. Maintaining a continual consciousness that we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. Daily remind yourself, I'm a child of God. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Don't leave the house naked. When you leave the house without that awareness that you're a child of God, that you're born again, you're a new creation, old things have passed away, all things have become new. When you leave every morning to go out in this world naked, not remembering that, you leave yourself vulnerable and Satan can see all of your weaknesses and blemishes. So you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You put him on, and no longer are you vulnerable. You put him on, and you put on the new man. Redeemed and righteous in Christ Jesus. Look at Romans 6.11. So you also should consider, Romans 6 and 11. You should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Consider yourself dead to sin. I, I, see, you, I see many of you posting your, your, your junk on Facebook. Well, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with... Stop, stop that. Stop it. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Post this. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And the Bible says, let the redeemed say so. If you want to post something, post that. I'm the redeemed of the Lord, and the Bible says, let the redeemed say so. Look at Romans 8, 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. One translation says, I don't owe my flesh anything. Just because my flesh says, do this, doesn't mean I have to follow it or obey it. Why? Because I consider myself the redeemed of the Lord. I like what the message translation says. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Hallelujah to God. I remember years ago... At all good, Tennessee, little all good. 
I wanted to do everything right. And there was a time where preachers had to wear a, a white shirt and a tie every day. Even our youth pastor had to wear a white shirt and a tie every day. The whole staff had to wear a white shirt and a tie every day. Summertime, wintertime, fall, spring, every day. You come to the office, white shirt and tie. I don't, do you have a white shirt? You got one white shirt. Do you have a tie? You have a tie. He's only got one black suit. He's only got one suit, right? And it's a black. Got one, he's got one suit, and it's a black. I told him, I'm saying, I'm going to get you a navy uh, funeral suit. Got to get you a funeral suit. But I remember when you used to have to wear a suit every day. And, you know, you kind of felt. You, you come, come in. I, I loved it because you go to the hospital, and if you go in with a hospital with a white shirt and a tie on, a suit on, people... If the elevator's full, somebody will step off and let you in. You either a doctor. I did order on time, on, on, online one time one of those Catholic priest deal just so I could get the parking places good at the hospital. Man, they said, just turn your shirt around. That was okay until I had to unbutton it. And you know, they used to call it dress for success. But you know, things got relaxed. And there's nothing wrong with that. I kind of like that. Now we wear jeans to the office, and collared shirt, and sweater, and even preaching jeans. And Pastor Wayne had his shirt tail out this morning. And you know, what I've discovered, when it gets relaxed, sometimes people lose their respect. They become very familiar in a relaxed setting. And some days, you know, I just will put a suit on and come to the office. Say, why do you do that? I've, I've wore suits several times and guys say, well, you got funeral to go to? No. Why'd you wear a suit? You know, some days the devil constantly reminds me of my blemishes. Some days he constantly reminds me of my failures. Some days he reminds me of where I missed it and how this one got mad and how I didn't please this one and how I failed here and how I lost here. And if I'm not careful, I'll get to thinking exactly what he's reminding me of and I have to put a suit on someday physically just to remind myself I'm a man of God. I am the man of God. I might not feel like it. I might not think like it today, but bless God I am by faith, and I'm going to dress like one. And I'm going to tell you, some days, spiritually, you and I have to clothe up with Jesus Christ. You might not feel spiritual. You might not sense any doodads running up and down your back. You might not sense any overwhelming spiritual revelation. But Satan is picking at you and picking at you. You just got to put on Jesus Christ by faith. The awareness that you're saved. The daily consciousness that Jesus lives in you. And you live in Jesus Christ. And you're not vulnerable. And you are, your blemishes are not out there for Satan to attack you at any time he wants to. Never leave the house naked. Put on Jesus. Next week, never leave the house naked. Put on humility. The Bible says, clothe yourself in humility. 
Did you know God resists the proud? But he gives grace to the humble. If you really want to get some good stuff from God, suit up with humility. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.